Sam, turn, turn me up in the headphones. Sam, turn my music up. This is episode six of the GQ style podcast, Corporate Privilege. I'm editor in chief Will Welch, and I'm here with senior editor Noah Johnson. What is up, Noah? Uh, hey, Will. What up? Hey. We're here. We're back. Let's yep. do it. We're in effect. This is my favorite part of the week. Uh, so we are going to talk about branding and logos and fashion, uh, at least as a starting point for this episode. In other words, modern life. Modern modern life. How it relates to your personal brand, how yep. a corporate brand and a corporate logo yep. relates to your personal logo. I would say, Noah Johnson, that logos and corporate branding is in style and fashion and omnipresent in a fashion in a way that it hasn't been since the 1990s in the heyday of Tommy Hilfiger and Polo Ralph Lauren. Yeah, probably true. Sounds about right. I mean, the one thing that you can say for sure is that every brand that is doing hot shit right now is relying heavily on branding. Yeah. And not even just in the sense of like a logo or a, a name brand on the chest of a sweatshirt, but in all the various forms it takes. Yeah, it could be a uh, grow grain stripe like Tom Brown. That's correct. It could be a series of G's. It could be C's on both sides yep. like Chanel. It could be any number of things, but the point is right now it it feels like brands aren't making and people aren't lusting after stuff that doesn't announce itself. And I think that's really interesting. Like if you spend the money on Gucci or Prada or Raph, um, it seems like we're in a moment where you want people to know that that's where you're wearing. Where I remember a time where that was the height of sort of gaucheness. Yeah. Well, this is a time of uh, we all have to, you know, like like credit our own fashions. You know, we got to at the brands. You got to like <laughs> we can't just be out there wearing what you are wearing. I'd never thought of it like that. Your outfit needs to be walking fashion credits yeah, from a magazine. 100 percent. Yeah. You got to be able to, to cite them and call them out and uh, get credit for your credits, you know, whether or not. <laughs> however, however you came upon them. But um, but that's where we're at with it, you know. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you think. The obvious thing that comes to mind here for me is Instagram. What, what, of course. Do you think Instagram is really what's driving this vibe? I think Instagram has an outsized influence on our lives. It's pretty crazy. It yeah. really is like, I mean, a thing that so many people check molt so many times per day. Yeah. You know? And whatever. It's a series. It's a feed of pictures. That's fine. It's not, you know, inherently but, bad or good or anything. But it is just a way to project yourself in an outrageous way that naturally makes it like our own personal branding hubs. Correct. You know? Yeah. It, it's like you don't have to do anything in a vacuum anymore. You can send it out to the world. And it's not even like, I mean, the, the people who could give a shit about fashion still do it. You know, it could be your new, you know, Ford Mustang you just bought that's sitting in the driveway and you got to at Ford on that. Yeah, picture, definitely. Your car or the you know, complicated Starbucks drink you ordered that morning. Your deliciously you scented candle. Yeah. That is sitting on your, uh, that you're on, sitting on your well-sourced coffee table. It's just, it's the opportunity to declare your allegiances. And um, a lot of that comes in the form of alignment and direct association with, with the brands that we spend our money on. I want to ask you something. There's, there's a thing where people will like cop, They'll, they'll cop something and they'll immediately put it on Instagram. Like, yeah. check out what I copped. Yeah. Now, isn't it weird the first time you wear that to then like show up at the bar with your friends and everyone's like, oh, those are the boots that you just put on Instagram. <laughs> oh, that's the worst. Like, I don't, I just, I mean, I, I'm aware that I'm about to just sound like a grumpy old man and yeah. I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. You want to just stop it there? You want to finish the thought? 
Well, it just seems, <laughs> it, it seems cooler to me if you can like get yourself if you can get yourself flicked up in something awesome that you have bought. And maybe then gram that. It's at least like in the wild. You I have it, I, to me, it's like you know you've blown your, you've blown it so to speak. You get like one reveal, one reveal, and do you want it in the in the digital form and maximum likes, or do you want it in the IRL form, d- thereby diminishing the possible future digital likes you'll get, but the IRL impact will be greater. I'm saying a a a, a, a way that requires a bit of patience, but that can split the difference and get you a little bit of both is to not like show the boots after you're like one man in your lonely bedroom unboxing <laughs> on Instagram and wait till you're actually wearing them and wait till like a cool photo happens yeah. and then post them and still rack up the likes without just being a total knucklehead dweeb. Yeah, but have you tried lately to do something cool in your life and not post it? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> I'm always making myself post things because I feel like I'm supposed to. I feel like, you know, somebody's telling me i should but so there's this crazy relationship i think that happens between us and brands that is that kind of goes both ways it's sort of like a mutual thing where yeah mutual amplification yeah to use a buzzword yes exactly brands are really good at announcing themselves and making themselves known and clear in lots of ways right it's not always so obvious right it's not always a big logo it could be something more subtle like the cut of something or a color or a, a detail it's at the same time we consumers all all of us involved in this great capitalist society have become really good at spotting the brands yeah even when we both play this sort of coy game like we are we are we're downplaying it like we're kind of um being subtle about it you know what i mean like yeah. it could be a designer or a brand that's not putting a logo on something and it could be us pretending like we don't really care about logos but we've still become really sensitive and attuned to like to the ways of branding and yeah, that's kind it's, of an amazing thing it's like the new version of what this old thing <laughs> oh the, oh my i didn't even know i was wearing this coat yeah. today yes you may take a photo yeah. oh is that is that uh that cashmere sweater brunello cuccinelli i could tell by the ribbing on the cuff uh, yeah right which is like the the new wave version of the old margella stitches Totally, which yeah. was always like super subtle branding, but is now just a signifier among many signifiers. And by the way, this is maybe the most obvious thing in the world, but I think it took a little while for me to arrive at it. And I think maybe a lot of people don't know those were meant to be cut out. Yeah, the stitches on that tag, much like on a suit jacket, I would sometimes say, have a label stitched to the sleeve. And the way that Balenciaga is now putting those uh, labels on the sleeve, perhaps suggesting that you leave them yeah. in a norm corporate move. Well. Anything's out. Anything's out the goddamn window these days. I tell you what. Um, well, I think what's interesting is that there are. I've sort of uh, been thinking on this a bit, and I made a little. I made a little corporate lunch chart, mm-hmm. and it's brands that are like sort of really participating in this. Um, when people know you've bought a, a, a coat by this brand, yeah. it's really clear. And then there's some other brands that I think that are a little quieter about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a third category of kind of everyday american classic brands that have some fashion heat so i'm gonna run that down really quick all right Mm -hmm, let's go some of the high fashion brands who uh like you really know it when you see it gucci vetmont and balenciaga raf simmons is an interesting one because sometimes it's super low-key and sometimes it's super loud yeah kind of depends on how deep you go into the world of dark fashion yeah prada by virtue of being a different statement every season yeah is very recognizable 
Missoni, by virtue of the way their stuff, the heritage looms on which their stuff is made, has a very specific look. Tom Ford, I don't know about you, but I know a Tom Ford suit when I see one. That's a tough one. Okay. What, what's tough about it? You don't know? I don't know if I would know, but maybe I would. I think you would. Well, I don't know. It goes either way. And then Dries Van Noten is somebody who has some signature moves. Yeah, and just pieces that are so, so identifiable. Giant alpaca sweaters with, like, crystals stitched into it. You know, it's just like no one else is doing anything like that. Yeah, and so in a way, his singularity makes him make, makes it recognizable and makes it branded. Correct. Tom Brown is, is also an interesting one. I was once interviewing Tom Brown, um, and I said that, that he had uh, – loud branding and he he like visibly um recoiled at the notion but i'm just saying there's there's a grow grain stripe on all his stuff oh on all of it like yeah the back of the brogues the back of the suit jackets even you know the shirts have it it's like to me it's heavily branded and i think it's interesting that he doesn't think of it that way yeah um there's some more anonymous brands that we've really been riding for uh both, again, both Noah and I wear this a lot of this stuff, and then also uh, in GQ style. So, our legacy, Acne, Massimo Alba, Armani is an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Berluti Le Maire is it like the refined eye knows some some Le Maire when one sees it, but yeah. but but the the minimalist aesthetic of it is part of it. Yeah, and like fashion, you know, the acolytes would be able to spot those. For the most part, because you know the collections, you know, like we're in a we're in a place now where you know you know the collections, like you're familiar with it. You know all the pieces if you follow it. You know yeah. what I mean? If you follow what the new drops on e-commerce sites are, and you look at the collections and the runways, and you're out in the world, like touching the stuff in stores, it's it's interesting that they're not they're pieces they're brands that kind of make stuff that you only know it's made by that brand if you know. Right. There's no other way to know necessarily. Now th- I think that's interesting because. Uh, that's a lot of what fashion has always been about, right? You, it's it's signifiers for the people who know, yeah, for for the like minded, uh, and I'm not just talking about uh, high fashion fashion. Yeah, I'm talking about style in general. Like last episode, we were talking about you and skating. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, you're wearing certain certain band T-shirts or whatever the case may be, uh, sending signals to people who know. So one thing I'm interested in hearing from you about Noah is, do you think that there's anything inherently cool or uncool about wearing uh some of the some of the fashion that's more overtly branded uh definitely not i'm not on the side of inherently either but i think that um i'm perfectly fine with it if it's a concerted if it's like a deliberate and somewhat thoughtful um uh happening thing <laughs> as opposed to what all as, as opposed to out and out label whoring yeah yeah basically uh, I'm, I'm down if it, I think if it comes from a place where you're just like, yeah, I'm riding for this brand and I'm wearing this logo and some logos are just good. Yeah. You know, I like that vintage Gucci shit with the old Gucci logos that I think were mostly like remakes of stuff that was actually bootleg. I don't know that any of that originally existed right. in an authentic form, but like, I think some of those old logos are great. Yeah. Um, and genuinely like look cool. One thing that I think is interesting and you've already sort of, uh, uh, pointed it out as I was reading through these through this these lists is that sometimes it, it really depends on who's looking as as and who's wearing it as a, when it comes to how uh, you know forward the branding might be so you know uh, there are times where it's the cut of a suit 
that makes it clear who it is. Yeah. And there are times where it just says the brand's name across the chest. And there are times when uh, there was kind of like a signature piece from the collection, like our own Sam Hine, shout out to Sam Hine Productions. What's up, Sam? Was wearing a, uh, I think it's kind of like a camp shirt or a silk shirt or something, and it's got some Mustangs running on it. Yeah. I happen to know that that's our legacy because I happen to be paying attention. Yeah. It does not say our legacy on it. Right. Um, so in a way, this is just a sliding scale, and what we're all doing is finding out what finding that place that's comfortable for us and i guess like from a from the designer's perspective like the the true masters i think should be able to do something that's recognizable as their own no matter what what no matter how it's made or what the design yeah. actually is with or without a signature on it yeah and now yeah. obviously like you know there's armani t-shirts that are just white t-shirts that no one in the right mind would be able to identify right. as such but i think that like to some extent, an Armani suit is a pretty distinctive thing um, for a lot of reasons. And if you're paying enough attention, then you can spot that pretty easily. Yeah. If you know it, it might as well say Armani across it. Yeah. But crucially, it doesn't. Although it, yeah. <laughs> Although conceptually, <laughs> it kind of does. Uh, what about for you? What, 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 what logos do you wear and, and, and what for you doesn't work? I don't really, man, I can't think of too many logos that I wear. You'll wear some skate logos. Yeah, I've seen you in some Vans. I've seen you in a shirt that just says Supreme. Yeah, but not for fashion. Not like a box fashion logo. box logo. No, there's plenty of um, plenty of skate brands and stuff. I'll wear logos of, um, and it's an interesting thing. Like why why not just wear a, a plain T-shirt in that same color? I have a ton of white tees with black graphics on them that are often logos. Yeah, I guess to some extent I feel like I'm making yeah like I'm aligning myself with a brand or like a tribe in that way somehow. And maybe there's something exciting about walking into your job at a fashion magazine wearing a skate logo Yeah. that walking into a uh, job at a skate magazine, that wouldn't be exciting. Or walking into the, your fashion job wearing a fashion logo wouldn't be exciting. That's in, true. In a way, it's the it's the contrast in your repping for yeah. something that's a little less obvious that makes it dope. For For sure. And I think it's also like me declaring my sort of like independence from something or whatever it may be. Now- Funnily, take this job and shove it, man. <laughs> this is like I'd rather be skating. I'm already getting extremely uncomfortable with the way this conversation is going. Turning a little red. But my next point that's not normal. is that um, it's not strange. Uh, I have an extremely low tolerance for talking to other people, especially strangers, about what I'm wearing. This is hugely important when it comes to how identifiable your clothing is. Yeah. If you're wearing some identifiable stuff, or if you Instagram something and then show up to the bar wearing it, exactly. you're basically saying, yeah. I'm down to talk. And Let's get into some garms. I constantly run myself into a situation where I do wear clothing that's if not identifiable is sort of attention getting to some extent either because some normie sees it and just doesn't get it and needs to like say something dumb about it can i get an example of that? <laughs> um i don't know i can't think of anything all right keep going i don't i don't want to knock you off your uh you were really riding for a point there. I don't want to so either, knock you off your saddle. Um, yeah, either some sort of normie sees what I'm wearing and it just like can't resist not saying something about it, or you know, someone who knows knows the game wants to call me out and talk about it. And in neither case do I want to talk about it. Yeah, uh, unless it's with a good friend, in which case I will probably go on endlessly about yeah. it. And like, it <laughs> if somebody's be, approved for that pre-approved for that conversation, yeah. then let's go. In which case, by the end of it, you're not going to want to talk to me about it ever again. And that could be like anything from just like a new like Patagonia shell I bought to like, 
whatever. I don't buy too much fashion, but you know, like something, some more high fashion thing I've got. So, um, yeah, I think that your willingness or, or whatever to like actually talk about what you're wearing sort of plays a big, a big part in this conversation. It's kind of a tricky one and I don't have a good answer. My, I just try to avoid, I just try to avoid those situations at all costs. The, uh, the, which is also weird, I should say, because of my job by nature is yeah, it's gonna happen. Writing, <laughs> reaching, hopefully, you, many people about these very things. You're, you're never gonna re- reach zero on that. I just you're just mean, trying to minimize. I'm I'm talking more about the situation that's like on the subway with a stranger or in line at Dwayne Reed or you know at a party that I don't want to be at. The the best conversation or the the one that felt most like a compliment to me is I was at a wedding early this summer and I was going up to the bar to get my wife a drink. And I ran into a dude I know, and he was like, oh, whoa, Welch, uh, I really thought I knew what was going on in fashion, but this is <laughs> blowing my mind. And I was just wearing a really simple brown suit with a tie. And so I think he was expecting, um, uh, like, fireworks and, and yeah. maybe some silk pocket squares jumping out of somewhere or yeah. something. He was some, uh, he was expecting something extreme. Yeah. And uh, – I think I've found a place that was a little bit more quiet and dialed in. Yeah. And that felt like, okay, like there's a compliment <laughs> as opposed to somebody who's like, whoa, Welch fashion guy, my which is what, you know, can happen with like when you're from Atlanta and you have this job. My best um, wedding fashion compliment was at, I was in the line for a buffet at a very sort of casual country wedding in Saratoga on like a ranch. And I dressed, I thought appropriately, it was like early fall and I had on beige corduroys and like a, a blue like kind of like um golf jacket sort of thing and an oxford shirt and like some boat shoes on i had this like really preppy sort of thing going saratoga man this was a couple years ago and this guy in front of me said loud enough for me and my wife to hear oh i didn't know they invited doogie hauser <laughs> oh shit that is amazing did you give him a high five no but he was like in some shitty like gray like big ass <laughs> shoulder suit and i just wanted to be like man you look like a fucking banker like what I, are you doing i like how you said you took it as a compliment but you're still very mad yeah yeah, whatever right. he didn't get it i mean i wouldn't it's, it wasn't a look i'd repeat these days but one thing one thing that i will say that we have <laughs> one thing i'll say that we've been trying to or that i think we've naturally been doing with gq style is even amongst the brands that have uh that that announce themselves the most loudly uh i think mobilaji dawadu our fashion director his eye always goes to the stuff that has the spirit of that that's working mm-hmm. but without the without some of the garishness. Yeah. So to me, the best example of that would be, uh, you know, we all know that there's Gucci, um, highly elaborated Gucci gear of all persuasions. Um, and Jared Leto has been unafraid to, to wear the absolute loudest of it on stage at red carpets, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but when we shot him for the fall issue last year, it was just a very simple green blazer with a mustard yellow turtleneck. And there were no um, snakes or any of that involved. But it still looked like distinctly from the point of view of Alessandra McKelly. I I still remember being slightly shocked by how low the gorge was on the blazer. (laughs) Yeah. It was just like a very 1970s move. Yeah. Um, So it was just, to me, it was just as distinct as the stuff with like snakes or puppy dogs on the back. um, But in more of a low-key way. I mean, there's nothing low-key about it green blade we got a, on instagram we got a lot of jokes about the masters <laughs> oh yeah for that the green, one, blazer. The green yeah, blazer yeah i like a green blazer i mean i think another another thing that sort of ties into that that is very relevant here is just to think about the fact that 
these large fashion houses especially which are able to do some some wildly branded uh instagram friendly type stuff yeah there's also this other end of their business where they're making some of the nicest most beautifully crafted stuff in the world yeah they 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 have the factories and they have the craftsmen and like i was thinking about those prada printed camp shirts i believe they're rayon or silk or rayon and silk i think a lot of them are actually rayon and uh they've been really popular there's like a blue and white one with a we shot robert downey in one it was kind of the shirt of the the shirt of of last late summer yeah but they've been hanging Kanye, around virgil yeah et cetera, et cetera, people et cetera. are still wearing them we shot the new york art book fair over the weekend and one a guy was wearing them i mean it was 90 degrees there and a guy shout was out to that one. dude yeah what's up friend of the pod in the prada shirt at the new york art book one fair. year later in the prada shirt <laughs> i'm into it i was talking to a friend though and um uh who knows quite a bit about fashion production and he was explaining to me that prada has the nicest rayon there is and that they develop god level rayon. they, d- they develop i know it sounds it does sound silly but sounds awesome I, I was like way into it i was like wait maybe i should buy a thousand dollar rayon prada shirt and that you know the, their printing techniques and the prints they develop and the the way the whole thing is done is actually like if that's your thing that's the best example of it right that you can get yeah and you know whatever. not just the coolest graphic yeah and so it's just an example of something that's sort of it's you know it's branded in the sense that it, or at least it's very recognizable it was a super popular you know piece for the people who follow fashion and then there's this other side of it where like that's like what if the story behind it wasn't just like the popularity of the print but like prada makes the, the absolute best rayon shirts in the entire world right it just sort of becomes like a different and to me or in some ways a more interesting narrative um or just like another side of it that you have to like consider gets overlooked, you know, yeah. especially when you're like dealing in the fashion spheres where like, you know, people want to geek out about what Demna's doing and how ridiculous some like Vetmont stuff is or whatever. But I don't think that there's enough attention paid or enough conversation about like the development of some of this stuff and why it's, um, why it's worth the attention. And it's often not just like some zany design. You know, one thing that came to mind as, as you are saying that Noah is, uh, when it comes to the best made stuff in the world, like through the menswear era of of men's fashion, mm-hmm. there was always this argument that was like, so that means it's going to last forever. Yeah. And and when you're talking about like Prada rayon shirts being the nicest rayon shirts in the world mm-hmm. and the best printed, mm-hmm. it's like, it suddenly it seems to me that the new way to think about that is wanting it because it's the nicest, not because you can then say, and you're going to be able to hand that rayon shirt down to your son. <laughs> I think you could have it both ways. I think another way to look at that, like, handed down for, for many generations thing is, like, um, it, you know, it doesn't have to be because it's, like, the most durable thing in the world. It doesn't have to be that, like, you exactly. wore it into the ground. It's just, like, it's a it's a piece worth having, worth worth having in the archive. Not that everyone should have a fashion archive. It's a little bit of an extravagance. Well, just that it was made in a certain way and made the right way. Yeah. And made by people who know and care what they're doing. And yeah. that has value in the moment regardless of whether or not it means it will last forever although if it will last forever like sure i'll take it yeah but i think that's a sort of like um kind of like pandering to men explanation of luxury yeah another cool thing durability is not doesn't have to be number one right because the reality is like most for most people for most things you do uh just about anything is durable enough yeah you know a shitty rayon shirt will probably stick around for several thousand years as well i wouldn't like weld steel on it but i think that like you could you know uh wear it plenty one thing that's interesting when it comes to like branding and fashion and and the relationship between uh 
logos and, and fashion brands and our personal brands is these kind of classic heritage brands. Um, Levi's, Patagonia, yeah. Dickies. We already mentioned Vans. Um, and it seems like some of those have gotten like kind of permission to be um, worn as fashion. Yeah, totally. It's like Patagonia gets to gets to play in the fashion space right now. I sort of like the idea that you're like, well, damn, man, I spent all my money on this Prada Rayon shirt. Now I got to just wear Levi's jeans that I got for 50 bucks because I don't have any money left for fancy jeans. I don't know. I think some I think to some extent that's kind of always been the case. You know, like there are certain brands, American brands for, you know, for us here anyway, that are just like become a fabric of like the, the culture that you kind of like you respect, even if they're not considered high end or luxury yeah. by any means well and part of what's going on is that i think um uh there's a there's a love and i think part of this is because of the the world wide web uh there's a love for subcultures right now yeah you know and what it's to a certain extent what what fashion brands represent is, is itself a subculture but like vans represents a subculture patagonia represents a subculture thrasher represents a subculture yeah dickies represents um you know, kind of blue collar Americana subculture. Yeah. And that people are always, again, it's about signifiers and trying to like get an interesting mix of those going. Yeah, totally. And that that's where you run into like, this is like the danger of branding, branding danger 101. But like, you know, the, uh, the, the crisis caused by people who don't skate wearing Thrasher t-shirts is a good example or models wearing Thrasher t-shirts that um, caused a uproar, a fashion, nearly a, a fashion, revolt of some sort uh among some people which i think is all pretty silly but also does speak to kind of like the power of brands and branding and that like there's something worth considering where you're like you know um i don't you know there's a whole there's a whole business we could get could get into about like sort of political statements and aligning yourselves with yeah. things that go beyond just like a, a a style or whatever but um there's a fine line there you know well uh when it comes to subcultures and brands that are sort of uh people from people within certain subcultures feel like are theirs to an extent uh there's defensiveness around it and not it's just like not anybody can just reach in here and grab our shit yeah it's not all just for sale especially for those brands where price is not a is, doesn't prohibit anybody from coming in yeah you know like vans aren't expensive so in a way the subculture that's being cordoned off in the high fashion space is in part determined by price. Yeah. Um, that whereas like, you know, right. Dickies doesn't have that barrier. Right. Um, but yeah, I guess what, what some, I don't know. The thing about cred is tricky. Like who gets to wear what? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, maybe you just got to start it from a young age. You just got to do it. Like you got to do it in such a way that no one's going to question you doing it. Maybe. I think that like, but then it, again, the minute you get precious about that shit, you're you're blowing it yourself. So. I think it's very unlikely that you would be called out for inauthentically wearing something, and and have the people calling you out be wrong. Yeah. So I think mm -hmm. we could end <laughs> we could end every podcast with "Be yourself" and it'll be fine. But I think that's where we should go right now: is "Be yourself" and it'll be fine. Like we always do this time, it is 13 vibes, our not-so-fast lightning round of random stuff that we're into right now. 13. No, yeah. I'm going to go first. Go. I'm feeling Coach Mike Tomlin today. All right. Now, what Coach Tomlin did, obviously there was, you know, this past weekend, as has been said endlessly, uh, you know, there was the kneeling uh, there was Trump's comments about the NFL mm -hmm. and the then the like like Neil watch yeah which was like 
as every game started, it's like, who's going to kneel? Who yeah. are they not? Right. And, like sports websites were publishing lists of players who kneeled. Yeah. And <laughs> Coach Tomlin, uh, I just thought this was like some really sweet leadership. I've always thought Mike Tomlin is a badass. Coach Tomlin, I mean, it was really a vote from his players under his leadership. They voted to just not come out onto the field. And right. I think that's really interesting. And I think it's interesting for a lot of reasons. Um, now, I'm sure some players uh, might have been uh, outvoted, but they would have loved to have been able to make the statement of taking the knee, mm -hmm. which I appreciate. Other players would probably never have kneeled in a million years, uh, and maybe they would have liked to have made that statement as well. But what Coach Tomlin did and what the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers did by voting to not come onto the field for the national anthem was, to me, uh, what Donald Trump is very good at is putting people into a double bind, yeah. right? He drops these bombs, and you either have to you have to react. Um, he's extremely divisive, as we know. Like, I don't think that's even a political statement. Yeah. The, the, the hard numbers would, would bear that out. And so he drops these bombs, and he watches everybody take sides and fight. And I think probably, like, sort of maniacally laughs um, as, as the war takes place. Yeah. So what Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers did is they said – uh, to use a football term, we're punting on this whole thing. They did not appear for the national anthem. And then what was left, in my opinion, was a big, the biggest statement of them all, which was that, like, we're not taking your bait. We're not taking the field. You're not going to get between us as a team. And then there was this really, I thought, intense result, which was a football field without any football players on it for the national anthem. Yeah. Which, to me, spoke volumes. Um, and I just thought that's the kind of radical thinking um, at, at a time when our country is extremely divided um, that could lead to progress. So my vibe is Coach Mike Tomlin. Friend of the pod. Friend. Dear, dear, long-running friend of the pod. Um, last week, Nirvana came up for reasons that you can go back and listen to to figure out why. And, it's going to blow your mind. Um, I, li I listen to a lot of Nirvana at this late in my life now, but I, the other day I watched um, this vibe is Nirvana live at Reading, um, 1991, which is a very famous show that they did. I think they headlined a festival. I don't even know what it, I think it was headlining the Reading Music Festival. And what format do you watch this vibe? I watched it on YouTube. Sick. And the first two minutes are like some of the best two minutes on YouTube.com, period. Kurt is wheeled out in a wheelchair in, in like a hospital gown. Let's go. And uh, he sort of staggers up to the mic and starts um, by singing the first line of the Bette Midler song. Um, I don't know. Some say love is a river. He sort of like squeaks it out and it's really weird. And then he's given his guitar and then they start playing. Um, and this is in front of like 200,000 people, yeah, right? Reading Festival at its peak. It's super cool to see just how many fucking people they played to. And then they start to play Breed, which is just like a charging song that like, you know, it, the two minutes are up by the time they're 10 seconds into this song. So you just got to watch that much of it. But it also made me realize the thing that I that blew me away about Nirvana in the very, very at the very first place, and I'm sorry, at risk of just sounding totally basic by praising Nirvana right now on this podcast, it was just how much fucking noise those three guys were able to Loud. make. Loud. Three dudes Loud band. making so much sound. Yeah. It's great. Man, I don't think there's anything basic about shouting out Nirvana. It can always be said. Thanks. I'm going to go to something truly basic. Okay. The Epsom salt <laughs> bath. Now, at the risk of sounding basic and geriatric, man... You, all you, this is what you got to do. You draw yourself a warm bath. Okay. 
you dump a shitload of Epsom salts in there. Are you like lighting some votives or something? Absolutely. In the atmosphere? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. All that. The, luckily, the bathroom lights are on dimmers, <laughs> so it's going way down. If I can get one of the cats in there with me, I'm definitely getting getting some feline <laughs> presence in there. Um, Epsom salt baths. Um, it you know it's basically like a, uh, a, a secret cure all, man, and it just draws out the impurities. And if you've been struggling with some stuff, you can probably hear I'm not totally 100% today here on the pod. Get yourself in a warm Epsom salt bath. Relax a little bit. Think about life. I'd say most guys probably don't take baths enough just in general. I don't. Welcome to the rest of your life. Vibe number next is um, you guys all know that I'm a big fan of comfort footwear. I talk about that a lot um, from, you know, just... Birkenstocks and Crocs to, you know, whatever kind of weird geriatric sneakers I can find. But I recently got my first ever pair of Mephisto shoes. Wait, Sam, has he done this as a vibe before? No, I've never done Mephistos. Oh, man. I thought I thought I thought he was repeating vibes. I've done. I forget which ones. I've, I forget what. Sam, we need to come up I've with done. a penalty if somebody repeats a vibe. This is impossible to have been repeated because I just got a pair for the first time ever. I've never. You know what we need is you know what we need is you remember Double Dare and you like is yeah you get slimed. (laughs) All right. Anyway, what were you saying? Comfort Um, shoes. Mephistos are like these French-made old man walking shoes that are extremely comfortable and well-made and sort of high-priced. Not super easy to find like a good-looking pair, but their most famous is called the Rainbow, and um, this shop in I don't know Manchester somewhere called Oi Polloi got. Got these pairs in um, a rainbow assortment of suede with gum soles. I got the burnt orange with a gum sole. It's amazing. I think there are a lot of things about uh, corporate lunch that add value Mm -hmm. to the world. But the way that Noah Johnson gives away um, some of his upcoming styling moves. Just dropping it all. Yeah. No. I I don't know if people like I think it's generous of you. I think it's super generous of you. Like people, you could stop me on the street and ask me for these things and I would not tell you. I wouldn't, I don't tell my friends this shit, but something about just me and me and Sam and a microphone, (laughs) man. You're you're in the circle of trust. Corporate lunch is a place where you go to speak truths with the people you trust the most. It's true. Uh, my vibe, I'm going on to some Americana music. Um, I recently was working on an upcoming GQ style project uh, that will be hitting the internet pretty soon um, that featured Jason Isbell, mm-hmm. uh, singer, songwriter, you know, kind of country rock Americana dude, uh, dear friend of mine, friend of the pod. And it's the first live show of his that I've seen since he put out his new album. And that motherfucker puts on a blazing live show. I've seen a lot of Jason Isbell shows in my life. We were in Oakland. California, you may have heard of it, Bay Area. Uh-huh, yeah. um, the dude just the puts on a smoking live show, and his new album is really good, too. So I was just like, uh, in a way, for me, this one's sitting right in front of me, but Jason Isbell and the 400-unit live in concert. Will you share with me some of the choicest tracks so that I can enjoy them? Are you kidding me? There's nothing I would rather do. What do you got? I'm going leopard print clothing. This is an apparel, yes. this is an apparel vibe. I am wearing some leopard print today. This is also, hell yeah, you are. This is a, a potential belt. potential spoiler to upcoming GQ style content. I'm just gonna throw it's that out good, there for the, for the friends of the pot who who are gonna be looking out for this stuff. But I recently got a, a zip front um, a shaggy leopard print fleecy shirt. It's actually from Supreme. I'm not. I have no shame in admitting that. Did Haven't you line even, up for it? What? No. <laughs> Do you ha- did you line up for it? I'm being serious. No. Do no. you have a guy? No, no, no. You just it's just a store. You walk in and buy shit. You just walked in and bought it. Yeah. All right. They, you know, either. The rules there don't necessarily all apply to everyone all the time. Got it. Uh, Supreme's a bit of a mystery to your boy. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, it's been too hot to wear it. But anyway, it's it's coming. It's a banger. It's coming. But I'm like, when it a, comes, we'll know it. There's a bunch of um, leopard print shit from uh, needles at the Nepenthe store up in the garment district right now. And I'm, I've got my eye on some of those pieces. Most of it has sold out because apparently needles now sells out immediately. Thanks to, um, GQ style. Yeah. GQ style. (laughs) Yeah. Actually I did a piece on them in our fall issue. And also just the track pant craze has actually had a major effect on needles sales. I'm stoked for needles. Yeah. We need to go up there. That was one of my vibes. ASAP. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take your lead on the garms and go with a garm that, um, I'm, just the Italian brand Caruso. Great brand. Uh, this is a brand that when we are in Milan for the fashion shows and we go to the Caruso presentation and you start picking through their offerings. It's crazy. And there's, there's pretty much always you can you can set your watch to it. Mobilaji's going to come up to me and just go, this is the flyest shit on earth, man. <laughs> it's so beautifully made. It's so unassuming. Yeah. I mean, it's very interesting to think of Caruso in terms of the branding conversation we had earlier. Yeah. Like nobody's going to know that what you're, that's what you're wearing except people who really, really know some shit. Yeah. Or anybody, they're not going to know the name, but anybody who happens to touch your garment, they're going to be like, shit. I mean, it's the nicest stuff on the planet. They're great too because they have this irreverence, sort of this... Secret irreverence. Totally cool almost like tongue-in-cheek attitude about it all it's really hard to put into words the hard to pin downness of it is the best part about it but yeah. at the end of last season i bought a double-breasted top coat that i have not worn yet mm-hmm. and i just had a little peek at it like i took like a sneak it's still 90 something degrees it's, it's hot. hot as hell yeah, i took on. a little sneak peek at this thing and i can't wait but caruso i think sometimes with some of the Italian tailoring brands, there can be a little bit, it can be difficult for the average American fashion nerd to differentiate. You know, it's like Canali, Caruso, mm-hmm. Corneliani. Like, yeah. uh, I know there's heritage there, but what's the difference? Yeah, and, yeah. But the truth is that each of them has their own lane. Yeah. And so I would just encourage you all uh, to do a, re- a little research into all those brands. GQ Style would happily help, but Caruso's got something special going on. It's run by this dude, Umberto Angeloni and his wife, Gabriella, And I once, uh, during Fashion Week, went up into their their townhouse Ooh. in Milan. Milan, yeah. And, like, the furniture is so on point, you know the, you know the tailoring is right. What do you uh, got? Uh, I'm going to keep it in the apparel zone. And, you know, I like to have some vibes that I haven't maybe necessarily tried yet. Maybe yeah. they're aspirational vibes. That's, dude, that is squarely in vibe territory. Yeah. Something coming. A feeling. Overalls. Yes. Uh, we shot the. I mentioned earlier we shot the New York Art Book Fair this weekend, <clears throat> and in the the post with the nice photos of the good looking folks. Style that in went, the wild. Style in the wild at the New York Art Book Fair. A couple dudes wore overalls. I think um, Carhartt was the way to go, and that's the way I would go. That's the way I intend to go. Um, I just think they look cool. I don't know that I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to feel once I've got those straps up on my shoulders, <laughs> double strapped up there. Um, if, you, I, if you feel too bound in, just let one of them loose. Yeah. <laughs> let it hang. <laughs> Shout out to the Fresh Prince. I must have done that at some point in the 90s. I don't really remember. I've seen some of the skate rats, like some of the younger skate kids at LES and some of the skate parks in New York have been on the overall. Like they do like a denim overall with super wide sort of cutoff bottoms. Yeah. Often like no shirt underneath. It's like a real advanced summer skate rat look that I'm not about. But I think like some Carhartt double knee overalls. With a white tee and then maybe like a sweatshirt over it. I think I could, I think I'm, I'm interested. I can't lie to you. I got a pair of snow weight 
Carhartt oh, overalls. Yeah. It could happen. Is that for like shoveling the driveway? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Got to have that. Um, also in the Garm district, I'm going with palladium boots. So I'm a long time swearer by of yeah, palladiums. You're into them. Um, uh, Mark Anthony Green, GQ's own Mark Anthony Green, recently told me that he thinks my palladiums look like PF flyers and he's not feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> but he complimented this new pair of palladiums I've got because it's the Pampa High, which is the palladium I've always worn. Um, but instead of being nylon, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's nylon, right? Kind of canvas nylon. Canvas, Maybe yeah. it's canvas. Um, these are leather. Yeah. And they're kind of like a kind of – I also wear black Tims when it gets really yeah. um, uh, cold out. But these are like a kind of like a lightweight. In between. In between Tim. So palladium pampa high leather. I love that very specific and um, clear. I, I mean, I, I gave you everything but the That's, link. Yeah. Come on. Everything but the URL. We're doing so much. We're just doing our best out Service here. Service journalism. Is, this is corporate lunch, and we, episode six, and we're just here doing it for you guys. The next one is something maybe a lot of you guys haven't heard about. Um, it's fall now and apples. Man, I'm into that. <laughs> I'm so into that. Did but, you go pick it? <laughs> no, I didn't. Not yet. We it's a little to, early. You, don't, you can't rush the season. I mean, you know I hit the farmer's market this weekend and picked up a bag of Macintosh. It's it's early to go picking though. It's no, still, it's too early for it's the too, picking. It's too hot. In fact, I suspect these might have been last season's apples from deep in the cooler. But either way, I'm gonna just give you a tip: get the apple, wash it, find a really sharp knife. Um, this takes a little bit of skill, but you might get a couple nicks before you really get it dialed in. And just with the knife in your in your one hand and the and the apple in the other, just slice off wedges like that and eat it off the knife blade. You know, th- you know th- that move? It's like kind of a grandpa in a rocking chair kind of move. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like a Rocky meets grandpa in the rocking chair. <laughs> Eat your apples like that. For vibe number 13, I'm going to bring it on home. Let's go. Uh, a friend of mine, a friend of the pod, Jay Carroll, recently played me this new band while we were driving. Um, and I was just really into this one jam. Uh, it made me laugh. It made me think about country rock, funky country rock of the 1970s, but it's by a new group called the Texas Gentlemen. And I think we're going to go ahead and play this song as we ride out of corporate lunch today. Um, I'm pretty sure I can get it cleared, so don't worry. <laughs> Tell Eagle I got this. Uh, this is the Texas Gentlemen, and the jam is called, of course, Happy Doobie. That's lunch. That's lunch.